Hello and welcome to French Football Weekly Podcast, the final day. My name is Chris, I'm your host, and I'm happy to say that this is the podcast that absolutely had no doubt whatsoever Lorraine were always going to stay up. Introducing my guests today, Phil, Jess, both of you, as usual, in the house. How are you doing? Good evening. Good, thanks. Good, 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 good. Uh, Jess, if you require 63 minutes of extra time in order to get goals in, in any game, let us know, because uh, I gather that's what happened in the Marseille game last night. Probably one of the... No. Sorry, I won't go there again. Probably one of the few games we, we aren't going to touch on too heavily because we've got so many stories, so many things to get through from the final day of Ligue 1 and indeed a little bit of news from Ligue 2, which we'll come on to. We can start nowhere but the top of the table. Lille are champions of France. Their first title in 10 years. So many amazing scenes after this game. Um, I mean, it's hard to know where to begin, but I guess we should probably start with the game itself. A 2-0 victory. Uh, sorry, 2-1 victory. I almost took the goal away from Monsieur there. How dare I? For Christophe Gauthier's men claiming the silverware, they did what they needed to do, which was win or better PSG's result. Uh, in the end, they got that win that they needed. Jonathan David with the opener on 10 minutes. Borak Yumez, who else had the score? from the spot just before halftime, which probably settled the nerves. Uh, if there were any nerves, um, maybe the bum went a little bit 5p, 50p, as Angelo Fulgini, one of my many man crushes, got one back in stoppage time, but it wasn't enough. And uh, the season ends with Lille champions. Uh, Phil, I'll start with you. I think if we look at the season as a whole, I don't think anyone can argue worthy champions. No, and I think... Obviously, we got a little bit nervous last weekend when they drew. But I was worried that this was going to be a kind of uh, nervous affair. But they look cool, calm and collected. As before, I mean, do you remember a couple of seasons ago when Lille just looked confused the entire time? And I think what Goldshire has brought to them is a really cool set of heads and particularly Mike Manuel um, at the back there. What was it? 21 clean sheets and only 23 conceded. He's played every minute of every league game. He's saved half the penalties he's faced. I, a really, really important part of this team was that, that uh, solidity in defence because they haven't scored as many as the rest of the top four still done well but it was that ability to control games and and kind of keep the shutouts going that really made it I mean as you say Fulgini is someone we're very fond of but when he scored that injury time goal I was like not now Pep not now not now um But yes, it was throughout the season a wonderful display and a really, like I say, calm and collected uh, kind of uh, set of results as well. They only lost three games and that's pretty impressive. So uh, good to see there's been some change on the, uh, the names etched into the trophy and um yeah their first their first trophy win since 2011 so 
10 years they're back yeah absolutely they are back and with a bang Jez I think just look at um, I mean you know we don't want to sort of gush uh, too much because we would be here all day but just just to those people who tune into this this pod maybe um, who aren't sort of so familiar with with uh, Christophe Gaultier uh, as a manager and, and maybe even Lille as a club but particularly Gaultier the, the suggestion is that he is gonna gonna move on from his post uh, or has already depending on, on where you read um, he's he is a he's a manager whose stock is very high but th- this achievement if you look at what we we looked at pre-season i think you know everyone who didn't really have a, a foot in the french football camp would have said oh it's psg's title every year etc and so on but it's not just the fact that they've picked psg it's like phil said it, it's the consistency the, the 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 times to go again i think we we have all said on this pod twice maybe three times this season oh leo look a bit tired has there been you know are they coming to the end and let's not also forget they went fairly deep, at least the second stage of, of the Europa League, which apparently, according particularly to English clubs, if you play on a Thursday, means that your whole season cannot possibly have any success because it's too tiring, uh, inverted commas. So just underline just how good a job uh, Christophe Gaultier has done and, and how highly you rate him, because I think, like me, you have a bit of a man crush. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, first of all, this is his third manager of the year title one year he shared it with shared it with someone else but still that that sh- and you know over two teams that that shows that this isn't some kind of flash in the pan secondly remember that when he took over not that long ago 2018 um Lille were in relegation trouble thanks to saint marcelo bielsa the, the great great best coach in the world who tried to convert Yves Bissouma into a fullback and, and all the rest of it. And the confusion era I mentioned earlier. <laughs> Sorry? The confusion era I mentioned earlier. <laughs> right. Um, and he only, I think Lille were only assured of safety in the 37th week, so the, the penultimate week of that season. The following season, he got them up to second. Last year, fourth, but I'm sure it would have been at least third if the season had um, actually been completed. And then obviously this year, champions. Um, It's not all down to Galtier. You've got to remember, for example, that Luis Campos um, is... You know, the only two times since 2012 that PSG haven't won the league, both times it's a club for for which Luis Campos has been the, the recruiter. So, um, you know, clearly he's got an Indian sign over them and it shows his his absolute genius in the, the sort of transfer market and the youth market and not only the youth market, because obviously he, he's the one who brought in Yilmaz, which was a stroke of genius. But um, yeah, you've got to give Galtier a huge amount of credit for um, taking, um, you know, the, I was reading something today saying you look at that Monaco team that won the league with 107 goals and 95 points and all the rest of it. That was a stellar team, although some of them only kind of became stellar at Monaco. That was a team of superstars, whereas this team is more reminiscent of the Montpellier team of 2012. Mm. Extremely good players, but with a coach who's, who has got them playing as a team. They're all working for each other. If someone has an off day, someone else has a good day. Um, 
you know, Jonathan David wrongly at the start of the season, a lot of people were saying, um, you know, he was a flop because he didn't you know, immediately hit the ground running. But I think he's now ended with with 13 goals, which is a really good return for, for a first season in a sort of higher quality league, including the opening goal to settle nerves yesterday. Um, you know, Bamba's had his moments, Ikone's had his moments, even Araujo has scored some important goals. Sumare has come into his own in midfield. Benjamin Andre is is one of those players now like Makaleli, who sort of um, everyone goes on about how underrated he is so much that he's almost getting to the point where he's overrated. <laughs> um, Botman and Font have been absolutely superb. Um, Ray Nildo has turned into a really good fullback. Um, Sedek we already knew was and, and as Phil said Menyon's been superb so really it is, it's all the way through the team Sanchez that fantastic run yesterday even at other times in the season sort of doing a thankless task having to kind of play on the wing which is not at all his position so Gautier's got all of them playing for each other all of them sort of surpassing themselves and clearly all wanting to to play well for him and it hasn't always been spectacular, but there has been some really good attacking football in there as well. But they've, they've, you know, in a way, PSG sometimes look like they don't have a plan B. If it's not one of the days where Mbappe and Neymar are just going to do beautiful things and win it that way, sometimes you think, can they win it ugly? Lille are happy to win it beautifully. They're happy to win it ugly. It doesn't matter. And the bottom line is, and maybe most importantly, They took four points off PSG, four points off Monaco, four points off Lyon, um, unbeaten against all of them. So, you know, it's not just that they were sort of flat track bullying. Arguably, it was the opposite because, you know, they dropped points against the likes of Nîmes, for example. They beat those top, you know, all their direct rivals, um, were unbeaten against their direct rivals and just absolutely deserve this all day long and Mbappe sort of got criticised last week for saying something to the effect that Lille haven't won the league, PSG have lost it and I kind of think he's right and wrong, the fact is PSG are the best team on paper, they should be winning this year in, year out they've lost eight matches which is far too many but you still have to be in a position to take advantage of that. Lyon weren't able to. Monaco kind of started too late. And Lille have been there all the way through the season. So, yes, PSG fell from their standards. And and so you could argue that they lost it. But it would certainly be harsh to not say that Lille won it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's perfectly summed up. Um, A couple of bits for you here just to add on to that. Um, Barak Yom, as he mentioned, 28 games, 16 goals, five assists. It's not bad, is it, for a 35-year-old who probably wasn't expecting to play every week? And um, the latest from Christophe Gaultier, literally as we've gone to air this evening, is that he has not taken a decision on his future. And, and quote, there are there are not only these two teams, speaking of Lyon and Nice, there is also Napoli too, others as well. I really like France. That's courtesy of RMC. So he's obviously got some options. Um, yes. <laughs> don't, don't, just don't okay <laughs> i was having a good day don't even yeah i've already had to hate certain players that i didn't want to hate and now don't make me hate him as well anyway um but yeah fantastic achievement and um any if, if you if you just like watching happy people and and you enjoy the, the you know the upbeat side of football just just go on to any 
French Football Forum, um, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it is. Just look at some of the Lille celebrations, the supporters, the the uh, the players' Instagram feeds from last night were quite a thing. There's just so many, so many uh, enjoyable um, pieces of media to take in. So, yeah, if you like the happy, smiley side of football, do that. Um, on the flip side, of course, for every winner, there has to be a, a quote-unquote loser. Um, it was PSG on this occasion. Uh, I'll start with you on this one, Jez, and then I'll come across to you, Phil, as well. Uh, PSG won 2-0. Uh, Robin Favre was credited with the own goal for the opener. Kylian Mbappe got the second. I don't, I've seen it so many times. I don't get how Favre gets that. I, I, I don't know. Neither do I. It's, I would have given it to the wind. Yeah, it's, it's a Di Maria <laughs> corner that basically floats all the way in, which certainly was an assist from the wind. It was windy. Um, Neymar also missed a penalty in rather uh, hilarious fashion as uh, Lassona did the uh, did the old. Oh. I think was it Londro that did it first, where he sort of stood to one side of the goal and that that was. Out? Number of Very years ago. big dick energy, wasn't it? And yeah, especially given him, especially given, given they, were, the... they were in a relegation fight at the time. It's like, yeah, and, and the fact if you watch the replay back as well, not only does he sort of sat stand to one side of the goal when Neymar actually strikes it, he does kind of go to dive the wrong way, so he's very lucky that it misses the target. But fair play, the, the Shithousery came in clutch. Um, Jez, rather than sort of focus on what PSG haven't done, because we covered on our recent special with with Angus that they did win the, the Coupe de France, so they, they don't go potless. But how much surgery needs to be done in, in the summer? Because Pochettino is, I would imagine, fairly secure in his job. But there is going to have to be a reaction, isn't there? PSG are not going to, and their supporters, particularly back in the stadiums next year, hopefully, they're not going to put up with two seasons of uh, backward stepping. And, and I'm sure the owners aren't either. Um, well, yeah, you say you say they're not, but I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you know, Al Khalifi yesterday came on TV and was talking all his good game about, yeah, don't worry, Mbappe's a Parisian, there's no way he's going anywhere, and we're, you know, we're already gonna, we know where we're strengthening, all that kind of thing. To me, they, I, I feel like I just say the same thing sort of every year and several times during the year, but it's still the same endemic problems. They still don't have quality fullbacks. They do, still don't have um, decent depth in midfield. They still don't have any kind of creative midfield other than Verratti. And they're still sort of hamstrung by um, the fact that Al Khalifi is so sort of starstruck, that Leonardo is so kind of Italian biased. And I just, I think they're really not doing themselves any favours. Um, you know, Neymar has got his new deal I kind of understand that because no one else can afford him. Um, so they're sort of, I think, stuck with each other. But I don't believe that either PSG or Neymar are entirely happy with that situation. Draxler's now got a new deal, which I just don't understand at all. And Mbappe is is obviously the huge unknown because it's kind of a, a bit of a vicious circle. They probably can't really make strong moves in the market and kind of attract players until they know whether Mbappe is staying or not, because he's going to be a big selling point. But then he's not going to commit until he knows, and he said it yesterday, that he's got a decent team around him that has got a genuine chance of winning things. Um, you know, this year was a blip, but I don't think, when he says winning things, I don't really think he means league out because, you know, he's already won it three times and the chances are that he will continue to win that if he's at PSG. But 
he's a you know he's a global superstar he shouldn't be thinking of winning just league and that shouldn't be enough for him and i'm not going to do the english commentary thing and say you know he he can't fulfill out you know he's sort of wasting away in league in league it's not that it's just a player of his standard should be looking to win the champions league i'd be happy for that to be with psg but i just think that their policy generally is so misguided that i can't really see how that's going to happen I know they were never going to sell Neymar, but it would have made sense if that, even if you know they're not getting anywhere near the two hundred twenty million that they spent on him, if whatever they did get, they could use that to strengthen several other positions. I think they'd be a lot more likely to to challenge for the Champions League than you know relying on the same one or two or three players, a couple of whom are almost always either suspended or injured in the sort of money time that's my concern and it's funny that you, you also one other thing that you mentioned Londra earlier um he was talking after after the match yesterday on, on French TV and he said that one of the problems of PSG as an institution is that since Ancelotti left they've never had a manager a coach either he wasn't clear whether he meant they weren't capable of it or they weren't allowed to do it, but who is kind of genuinely in charge of the players. It's always about player power. And that's that's an issue there. And, you know, you look at Emery, yes, he had a blip at Arsenal, but, you know, he's preparing for European final. Tuchel is preparing for European final. Um, it's, you know, the fault is not all with them after all. What a surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, there's There's problems higher up. And as long as... I know I always sort of focus on him, but I really do not rate him. As long as Al Khalifi, who you remember is just a, a spoiled rich kid, failed tennis player, as long as he's the one making those big decisions and is so starstruck by the players under him and undermining his coach, then I can't see how things can change. And um, I'm hoping Pochettino will get the right opportunities because he's got that extra sort of status as an ex, ex-PSG player. But uh, he needs to start next season really well because arguably, you know, already this season he's, he's fallen a little bit short. I don't think it's his fault. But, um, you know, the fact that he's not even starting next season as defending champion and he did have sort of six months or so to to write that is, is potentially going to be an issue. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I just, I hope he's backed correctly in the transfer market and I hope he's backed in the changing room as well, but I'm not confident about either. No, I think in, in that, that manager, um, I might get some stick for this, but I stand by it. I think even Laurent Blanc could could have a shout to say that he, you know, he okay, he hasn't gone on to manage elsewhere, but I don't think he did a bad job particularly. Maybe not in the style people wanted, but I don't think he did a bad job. And you say about those those big results. I mean, since Pochettino came in, the home defeat to to Nantes, the home defeat to Lille, they're kind of two big ones that stand out. I'm just thinking, when did he come in? It was the, was it December? I think it was December. Now I'm going to have to think. But they also lost away to Lorient, of course. <laughs> and they lost at home to Monaco. And that's that's excluding the, the, the home fixtures they lost at the start of the season as well. So um, losing big games is, is unlike them. Um, Phil, just sort of to, to draw the line under PSG before we move on, do you sort of back them to come back with a vengeance? Or, and, and a side question to that, do you feel like this season, what's ultimately cost them in terms of the league title was that heavy focus on on the Champions League? They got a taste of it with that losing final. Do you feel like they put 
maybe too many eggs in the basket of, of winning it this year and, and ultimately that's what kind I, of I think it's it's what Jez said that they don't have strength and depth in the unfashionable areas and do I back them to come back with a bang I wouldn't say I back them I expect it to happen but I'm not putting money on it because that's it seems like a kind of different thing um so yes they're going to be one of the favorites for next season of course they are but will that be something you feel comfortable backing unless those issues about strength and depth and and things like the academy players and the market and the power of the manager are dealt with then maybe they'll just be treading water again so i think the focus on the champions league does mean that in a sense they leave that open thinking oh yeah this will be fine and actually no it won't be and they came you know i mean the the cup final was pretty one sided but they could well have ended the season with nothing and that that would have been embarrassing so and the cup it, final was one sided but we have to caveat that by the fact that for the one time this season, Monaco really didn't enough. It wasn't like PSG were outstanding and blew them away. Monaco, you know, really just didn't perform. So you do no, wonder as, on as they there. didn't yesterday. Yeah, frankly, um, this is what I've been saying for a while though. That it's all very well doing it when the pressure's off, but there's mm. been a few times recently where they haven't really performed. I, ben Yedder was awful yesterday. By the way, I I couldn't I couldn't uh, I couldn't for a minute suggest I understand what you mean being an Arsenal fan, Jess. Um, performing when the pressure's off. <laughs> we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll get to Leon later. Well, no, well, that, I, that's I where I want to go next. But go on, Phil. Obviously, Brest were, in a sense, playing for their lives here, that they only stayed up because not the draw kings couldn't manage a draw against Montpellier or uh, Brest would be down. Yeah. In a sense, they'll have gone into that game thinking... We can't win this, but for the love of God, we have to try to get something. And I think that was behind Larsena maybe chucking all uh, everything to the wind and uh, on the uh, the penalty. Um, but one on ones just before um, Mbappe's goal. Yeah, they really should have equalised. Yeah, they had the chances. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It wasn't just just a one sided uh, one sided affair. Um, you made. Can I Brest just say, I know like the table doesn't lie, blah, 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 but I'm so pleased Brest of staying up because yeah. they, they yeah. really have played some great football this Oh, it, it would have been a literal travesty if they hadn't have done, wouldn't it? I mean, you know, just, just there's always that one team that drops out of nowhere and you think, oh, crikey. But yeah, it would have been absolutely horrendous had they not stayed up. So we will come on to the relegation battle in, in a mo. Um, Phil, I'll stick with you initially on this one, the race for third. Ultimately, Monaco are the team well, that go into the Champions League uh, places with 78 points. They they got it just about by uh, by drawing against Lance well, and in a largely forgettable... If, if I explain how the television situation works over here, it's that there are multiplexes for the last two games because they're all played at the same time. 
So that means, of course, that if I'm watching the multiplex, because I do, because I like chaos, if there's a nil-nil draw, I am unlikely to see any of it because there was no bing-a-ding-bing-bing-bing jingle and nobody yelling gold at Monaco or anything like that. So I basically have no idea what happened because nothing happened. I can tell you because I had to watch it. Okay, okay, <laughs> yes. Jeremy, there you go. <laughs> missed an absolute sitter. Uh, Lecker did have a good game, but um, and they had decent chances. But yeah, they, they sort of ran out of ideas. And, and yeah, if it's not sort of a, a a place kick from eight yards out, and I don't think Ben Yedder is as great as a lot of people seem to think. I mean, he's got 20 goals this season. I'm not sure how many were penalties. He's, he's definitely... Ten. I think it was he's definitely. He's definitely a pen specialist, but I I think he I do think he's pretty decent. His work rate alone for me gets him into most teams. But I, I take the point maybe as a goal scorer, there's a debate there. Um, but Monaco did did crawl over. Uh, he, the line. He's good. I'm I'm thinking more in terms of sort of international stand. Oh yeah, international stage. He's very much a backup for me. He's, he's not getting into the the, the starting eleven for, for me at the moment. But no, I agree with that. But they uh, they crawled into into third place. Um, Obviously, full credit to Monaco. I feel like we've, we've kind of covered them in the, in the past few weeks and it's a fantastic achievement and everything that goes with that. So very well played. And a little nod to to the Kovacs um, brothers, but especially to, to Nico Kovac, obviously the, the manager or head coach, because the job I think he's he's done since he's come in has been very sort of under appreciated from those outside of venture football because, you know, this is a guy who essentially was classed as a failure at Bayern Munich and came in and has transformed this Monaco side to, to a Champions League place, which is no small achievement given the clubs he's held off. Um, so fair play to them. But one of those clubs he has held off was, of course, Lyon. Um, Jazz, we've seen today that, uh, well, last night, in fact, Rudy Garcia uh, has, uh, has, has left his post as Lyon coach. I think we probably saw that coming. Um, once again, he's got a high points total, 76. But once again, ultimately has, has failed at, at the final hurdle. We know Memphis Depay has also uh, confirmed that his pastures will lie elsewhere next summer, which well, this summer, which again, I think we saw coming. Um, it was, I, I like Leon. I genuinely do. So please don't think otherwise, listeners. But this result was just so Leon. 2-0 up, absolutely bossing it, completely in control, Potentially could have gone three 0 up. Goal called out for for a VAR, which was rightly called out. Sorry, two one and three one. Sorry, sorry, two. Yeah, okay, yeah, fair, fair enough. Yeah, that, that is harsh of me. I'm I'm, I'm taking the, the goals away, but e- either way, you know, to be to be leading the game one 0 and as you rightly say, two one, and controlling it. I think the knees goal came against the run of play. To to then lose it three two. I mean, it's just, it's, it, it's just so, so Leon, isn't it? And I wonder if, I presume Garcia's decision was made prior to the game, but the way he kind of announced his resignation was almost just like a, well, I just can't be bothered anymore. What, what more can I do? You know, I've set this team up. They've done what I've asked them to do. And then they've spectacularly thrown it all away. What, what's the future for Leon? Where, where do they go from here? What sort of coach do they look for? Because the people I've seen linked with it, it doesn't, so it doesn't make a lot of sense, but they're not big names, are they, really? 
it's interesting the way you put that because you made it sound like Garcia's got nothing to do with it. And it oh no 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 no. Yeah, sorry if I did. The problem that, that Leon have had over the years, but and I don't think Garcia has always been treated fairly by the fans, but I think he is a part of it as well. Um, he did. I'm not sure he's resigned. By the way, I think it's like the end of his contract, and he's not. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's saying that he doesn't want to. Won't know, be renewed. Think about having it renewed, and Leon saying the same. And um, in in L'Equipe today, they described his relationship with Juninho as et execrable, which <laughs> is practically it's practically onomatopoeic. I think you can guess what that means. Um, for me, one of the problems at the moment, actually, talking of Janino, is, is sort of similar-ish to, to PSG. I mean, uh, great name and obviously a Lyon legend on the pitch, but to me, he hasn't done anything off the pitch yet to suggest that he's got much of a clue what he's doing as a director of football. Um, so, yeah, I think that the next... The next appointment, I think, is pretty important. I know we sort of joke about Lyon being very Arsenal-y and Arsenal being very Lyon-y, and this is a classic sort of chucking away a, a good position that they were in. And absolutely, you know, the, the, they were sort of unlucky not to go 3-1 up, although it was offside, but, you know, it was it, it was relatively close. And at 3-1 up, you expect them to, to hold on and, and maybe get that Champions League place. And then... Um, Nice's equaliser was a fantastic long-range effort but then Lyon sort of did their usual of collapsing and not really even particularly looking like they were going to get, get back into it um, their heads dropped and, and that was kind of it and it's just always the same problems with Lyon maybe a, often a lack of character in, in certain players as well um, a couple of players who are probably always looking to to their next move, for example, as well. So it's all the same problems again that, that need resolving. And my worry with again with the Arsenal comparison is that they, to me, should comfortably be the the sort of second club in France and arguably challenging PSG every year. Um, and they 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 just keep taking their eye off the ball, and it doesn't doesn't take that much especially it's not the same as in England where you know the super rich clubs can stuff up a couple of um transfers or even managerial appointments and sort of quickly resolve it pay someone off massively and and sort things out in in France there aren't any teams apart from PSG who've got that sort of financial cushion and and arguably the the sort of rot setting with Lyon when they made a couple of weird signings or, you know, Gourcouf that didn't work out. I think Jean Macoun which, for a really big fee that didn't work out. And, um, you know, it's from then on that things have, have gone wrong, but they still managed to kind of scrape places in, in, in Champions League for a while. But now they've, now, now it's sort of two years in a row that they've missed out on that. I just think they could very quickly go downhill. So I think the next appointment is really important because they need to sort of steady the ship and get back up there. Um, and I know that there's the issues with the fact that he's an ex-Saint-Étienne coach and, and you know, an ex-Marseille player and, and Lyon Marseille has become quite execrable in recent years. But, you know, I, I think they should be going all out to, to, to get Gaudier and stop him going to Nice because I think he's exactly the type of character that they need to just bring a bit more seriousness back into the team, a bit more fear of the coach back in whoever the coach is back into the team 
and yeah just just sort of put the grown-ups in charge there again yeah and that, and this there's, there is there's so much talent um I don't know. You might want to come in on this, on this as well, but there, there is there's a lot of talent in that Leon squad, and we know we know about the fame for their youth as well. There's there's a future proofing there for whoever comes but in. You also look at the top of the other tables. Right? Memphis has got 20 goals and 12 assists, and that's the highest combination I think. You got both the assists for the Choco Camby goals um, yesterday. Obviously, a five goal thriller. I saw significantly more of this on the multiplex, but our good friend Tarek Amir, uh, LaFault's number 12 on Twitter, tweeted me saying, Owell managed to miss out on the Champions League in the most Owell way possible, and it's true. Mm -hmm. And he's been banging this drum for several seasons now, and I think it going backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards, that... Leon couldn't manage to hang on in this situation was is very characteristic. And I know that sounds, you know, it's like saying Spursy or Arsenal or whatever, but don't put the two in the same bracket, please. Thank you. To, to, you, 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 you have similar issues, shall we just say, with air. And yes, they've missed out again. I, I am not clear on who's in the Europa League and who's in the new Europa Conference so, segment, summit, whatever the fuck it's called. But Leon and Marseille are Europa League and uh, Rennes go into the, the conference. conference. Right. Yeah. I mean, that makes so much sense, obviously. But <laughs> um, no, so, but the thing is, it's one of those things where you say, well, maybe they'll do better in the Europa League. Because, you know, they can be quite embarrassed in the Champions League, as we've seen. So, you know, maybe it's the best. But that means you can't attract the same kind of players. The Memphis situation, you know, he's been the guy getting their numbers. Um, presumably, he's going to stick around for similar, although more prosaic reasons than um, Neymar in the nobody's going to pay him that much money um so how does this all pan out it feels like the managerial changes this summer are going to have a big impact on what goes on because pretty much everybody is moving yeah well um, we're going to come to our, our head uh, recruitment correspondent jeremy smith about that in a short moment but i uh, had to run through those but yeah and i think you touched on something quite key for leon that the big thing this summer is who goes and more importantly than all that, who comes back in, because as you said, that the contribution of Memphis Depay, who don't get me wrong, you know, one player does not make a team, of course. And, and that Champions League run proved that because there was a collective spirit and, you know, they were semi-finalists the previous year. It shouldn't go un unnoticed, but there is an element of they need to replace that. And, and how do you find a goal scorer and a man of that, that personality? Arguably, Somebody, Phil will hate me for saying this, but somebody of an Andy Delore type figure might be the way they go because he's league ready oh, and consistently scored goals, but it certainly isn't Islam Slimani, in my opinion. So um, I guess we'll see on, on that one. Um, we should give a, a passing nod 
Um, sorry for Marseille and Rennes fans, but we're not going to go deep here. But Marseille do claim fifth, as I just mentioned, after that kind of nuts finish to their match with uh, with Metz, which ended in a one-all draw. Uh, well after time, I think it was 12 minutes overtime and then 17 minutes overtime. There's a lot long stoppage. I didn't actually look into the reasons behind this, but I'm sure it's VAR related. <laughs> there are two VAR. Well, yeah, there were two VAR decisions. The the mess penalty was sort of just after normal time. So, like, there weren't huge issues of that. It was normally, you know, during normal injury time. And then, obviously, it was extended because of VAR. And then, um, I know at the moment I'm mentioning Brighton every podcast. But, you know, (laughs) my fucking teams and the jinx that I am. Brighton you'd thought of the only team who could possibly concede a penalty after the referee is blown for the final whistle. It turns out Mess can concede a penalty after the referee is blown for the end of the fucking season. So that's why it was about 114 minutes, because actually the ref had already finished the match and then decided to go back on it. Yeah. And by the way, it's the second time that Mess have conceded a a goal after the final whistle. They also did it a few years back against Saint-Étienne in 2002, I think. Um, and funnily enough, the Saint-Étienne manager at the time was Antonetti. How weird is that? Yeah, the weird parallels. Uh, well, I'm glad you saw, looked into that because I say I remember seeing the score and largely just thinking, okay, well, we move on. And by the so. way, Mess also um, mucked up a, a 2v0 situation Impressive. That that's that's hugely impressive. All of this happened so late that um, the the multiplex had already cut back to the studio to watch Leo's celebration, so I didn't even know it had finished. Yeah, one, I, one. I thought this was a goalless draw. Even the betting coverage that I was watching it on, don't gamble, kids, um, was was shut down. So I was like, oh, there's a game going on, but I can't watch it. Okay, cool. Um, but all we can tell you is Farid Bulaya put them in front. Mets this is with a penalty before uh, Kajus Milik. Uh, equalised in the 90th plus whatever it was minutes with also 13. a penalty. I think 13. It was 90 plus 13. And I, I didn't realise this on last week's pod, but his loan deal is actually 18 months from Napoli. So you would imagine that that uh, Sampaoli and co will be building around him next season. He's a very gifted centre forward. So if Marseille have any chance of, of uh, rebuilding, I think it will be very much around him sticking around if that agreement does stay in place um a nod to uh, our very own rich allen's ren who claimed that uh, europa conference league title which i believe you could potentially draw teams whose grounds are under the water it's that remote i mean i literally have no idea what sort of team is going to go into this other than union berlin and of course ren who've qualified with a 2-0 win over Nîmes. uh the crocs going down to league de of course uh, Girassi, and Benjamin Borrego with a, a rocket, uh, making it 2-0. And that secured their Does pass. Benjamin Borrego uh, score anything other than rockets? Not typically, no. no. Maybe I... deflected goals last weekend after okay, Sassi counts. But other than that, yeah. Um, we'll come on to the middle part of the table in a wrap-up, but I feel we should give some attention to the bottom end. Yes, I do. <laughs> because uh, happily, um, several teams are safe. Um, we should obviously mention Rams are the first of those because they were in danger coming into this game. In fact, actually, I should go as high as Bordeaux because they were in danger as well. And but they, they were got... playing each other. Exactly, well. yeah. I was going to say, I should probably mention the two playing each other. 
it was kind of one of those that if if they drew, both were safe. But in the end, Bordeaux won it by two goals to one. Um, so they beat Ramos, uh, two goals to one. So that secured safety, but Rams didn't have to worry. Yassine Adli and uh, Quateg with the goals after Toura had actually put the home side in front. So those results saw uh, both those two clubs safe, mainly as a result of what happened below them. Uh, Strasbourg and Lorient played out a one-all draw, which was good enough as it turned out for both sides. Uh, an opener for, for um, Strasbourg cancelled out by Lorient. This was a, a game that I was watching and I'm not going to lie, I was a little bit worried when Strasbourg were in front through uh, Jeremy's mate. Uh, Strasbourg yeah. also the nicest team of the season. I think they topped the fair play league. There you go. And I, I'm pleased to see them stay out because they are one of those, you know, one of those teams that are just history. And yeah, also, if, if you're looking at the top scorers and it's like Mbappe, Memphis, Ben Yedder, Kevin Volland, Laborde, Yilmaz, Azorke. Azorke. Oh, you know, how can you I'm guessing he's six foot six. He's something, doesn't he? Honestly. Yeah. And, 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 he, and he's been brilliant. You know, he's not just a big man you lump it up to, he's, he's been superb. This season, so uh, they stay up. Uh, Trevor Chalabar's equaliser for Lorient was beautifully crafted, and um, yeah, I've I've been across the social media of, of Lorient and uh, very much uh, a group effort. I think all the pictures show show that uh, Pelissier's done a really good job. I think it's fair to say. And there's one thing you can say about Lorient this season is they've entertained plenty of goals in both ends. Um, <laughs> you think he deserved to be um, in the no. shortlist for Manager of the Year, though? No, no, I, I, I think that's a bit of a step too far. I wonder how much of that's got to do with, uh, um, uh, with as we said last week, who votes for it, maybe. I I think he's done a brilliant job, but I, I, I sort of, when I look at what Lons have achieved um, in terms of not only if they've been safe, but they've been at the top end of the table all season, I, I would argue that Lorient's squad is, is as good, if not better than Lons's. So I suppose you could say, have they underachieved? But for me, coming into league, are the, the only achievement, the, the only objective was stay in it, and they've done that. So yeah, I think you're right, Jez. Probably a little bit overblown, but that's especially considering it wasn't guaranteed they'd stay in it till yesterday. Oh God, no, no, exactly. To the last minute. So yeah, I want to give him some credit. Absolutely, I think he's done a really good job. But um, let's sort of not go overboard. Um, also, Delolio at Brest uh, and one of those other managers who may be on the move. They did just about stay up. They, it was a bit hairy for a while with that two 0 defeat mm-hmm. to PSG, but they stay up as a result of. Um, and this is another game. I do just want to give a moment to. Uh, Nantes uh, ended up losing to Montpellier by two goals to one. The aforementioned Amdiad Law scoring again, as of course did Gaetan Labor, but double act. Colin uh, Moani had equalised. There was a point in this game where Nantes thought they'd got back to 2 2. Oh, oh, sorry, had the chance to go back to 2 2 when they thought they had a penalty. Oh, that was nervy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think it's great that obviously the scores were Labor and Delort, but um, the assist for Delort's goal was uh, from. Wahi. It's yeah. Wahi coming on again. Uh, and and making the assist, the assist for the board's goal was Delore missing a penalty. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Um, but I think it it kind of it bodes well. I think Hilton off now, but Berto got the gaming goal for this one, whereas um, he's mainly been the cup keeper, whereas Omlin's been in, in goal for Ligue 1. Uh, so yeah, Congre and Hilton, I think, have a thousand Liga matches between them now. Possibly time to refresh that area, but um, 
Yeah, it's um, not, I think, given their predilection for draws and Montpellier ditto, I think this was the one where I thought that's where Brest or one of the teams above them are going to be in trouble. But Montpellier just about just about managed to um, keep things uh, keep things together. So Nantes will be in the playoff with Toulouse. When is that yes. happening? Let's mention that now because thirtieth uh, of May. Wednesday and Sunday, isn't it? I think that the dates. Um... I think one of them's thirtieth of May because Lafont has had to drop oh, out right. yeah. oh, the first week yes. of France's Euro squad. Yeah. Because France's quarterfinal against the Netherlands is on the 31st and Lafont now got to play on the 30th. Yes. Um, and, and we should say Toulouse got there as a result of the, we said about the playoffs last week. So Grenoble would beat uh, Paris FC, but then ultimately got pretty much turned over and spanked by Toulouse in the final, quote unquote, uh, Spearings, Kone and Healy with the goals there. Um, uh, Jez, I, I'm... Can I... I'm, just... Well, we've got say something about Nantes. Yes, so, well, I, I was uh, maybe I can cue you up here because I wanted to get your feeling. So maybe work this into the same question. But I have a suspicion, or I don't know. It's just a, a bit of a, an airing on the side of I think this is what's going to happen. I've just got a feeling. I think Toulouse are, are going to beat Nantes over two legs. Um, I just feel like they've got the momentum. Nantes had all that momentum and then obviously lost that game yesterday. I feel like they'll be a little bit demoralised. I just have a suspicion that Toulouse are going to be back in Liga next year. So, what what do you make of not? I guess, and do you share that suspicion, or do you think they'll have enough to, to win through this tie over two legs? Um, I, ge- I genuinely think it's going to be very close. I think yes, they lost yesterday, but four wins in the last five matches is is pretty good form and a good turnaround. So, I don't think their confidence should be knocked that much. But I think it will be an interesting sort of contrast of of um, styles because Toulouse I think have done fantastically this year I thought they were sort of set for a, a good couple of years in Ligue 2 but they've brought through a lot of their really talented young players who have, who have really shone and they've played some really good football under I think Garand um, whereas Nantes I think you know in the image of Comboare and to be fair in the image of most sort of relegation threatened teams have been a lot more sort of dogs of war so I think it'll be an interesting couple of matches um, but what I, what, what I wanted to say was um, obviously Desacarian is the former non manager, and just mm. to have an idea, and this might sort of affect or might have a kind of bearing in terms of, well, just in terms of where Nantes are generally and all the, the morale around the team and around the club. Um, apparently, after the match, um, Keita said, the non president said, said to Desacarian, um, you know, about the fact that Montpellier had won and sort of condemned Nantes to the playoff. He said, I suppose you're happy about that now. And uh, to Zakarian replied, um, well, I'm happy from your point of view. I'm sad for the rest of Nantes, but happy that you're, you're sort of <laughs> relegation. Yikes. Yeah, that, that is a bit um, a bit on the, on the air of awkward. Um, as you mentioned there, to Zakarian, of course, one of the other managers who's, who's moving on. Um yeah, I, again, it's not based on any, you know, purely just me putting it out there, but I just, just have this feeling to lose it coming back. Um, I guess we'll see. We'll probably, by the time we do our end of season, probably probably know the answers to that question. So I guess we'll 
revisit that and uh, and as a result we'll see where we are and the idea that none could go down again it's, it's kind of well I mean I suppose any club that has the season they've had in terms of managerial situation and presidential situation maybe maybe that's the reasons behind it we shall see um just quickly we'll run match. down sorry go on One more match uh no. yes well there, there was the, de- as the dead I rubber I feel like Dijon have been horrendous this season yes but they did finish with a 1-0 win away at Saint-Étienne yes there was a degree of just going out with a bit of a bang Mm, um, yeah, sort of a no, maybe show bang, but you know they they went out on a win, and I think for a team that had such a woeful record, twenty one points, fourteen off Nîmes in nineteenth, for Kamara to get that, I think there was a penalty miss. Then later on, they could have they could have won two 0 yeah. I seriously doubt the Saint Etienne gave a shit. Um, some of the midfield selection choices suggested that very strongly, but Dijon did go out with a win and hopefully will be able to regroup in Ligue 1. Yeah, and, uh, and as for St Etienne, that's another one of the clubs, which is a beautiful transition into Jez's managerial merry-go-round update segment. Um, Claude oh, Puel... It's so confusing. Yeah. Yes, I, I know. Uh, Claude Puel is, is one that we don't know the future of, but we suspect maybe he he may be uh, looking to move on. Um, Jez, we, if you can remember who we've already mentioned, maybe just give us a rundown on, on who's going, who's coming, and all that's in between as time of recording, which is 20 to 7 on, or a, your on the 24th. Your tweets from about five hours ago, which is yeah. I'm looking at right now. Just read them off if you like. Just, yeah, what, uh, what do we know? Going through the the final league and table basically in order. Uh, Lille, there's a very good chance Gautier will leave. Um, it's you know, I think because of financial issues and also the fact that Lopez and, and Campos have gone. I think sadly this whole team is going to be kind of ripped apart this summer. And although Galtier hasn't said he's going to leave yet, um, even the interview he gave this evening is relatively ambiguous. So I think he's probably on the move. Pochettino, I think, will be given a chance, but needs to start next season well, as we said. Kovac obviously should be fine. Lyon, Garcia is leaving, so they're looking for a coach. Maybe Galtier is their man. Um, Marseille, San Paolo is fine for the moment. Ren, Genesio's done well, so it'll be it'll be good to see what he does. Sorry, uh, yeah, good to see what he does next season after a full um, summer with his team. And it's kind of considering how sort of lampooned he was at, at Lyon, it would sort of be nice to see him do well with Lyon struggling managerially on the other side of it, kind of careful what you wish for Lyon fans. Lens, I think Hayes is fine. Montpellier, as we said, does a carry and is leaving. And it sounds like the two candidates to replace him are either Batless, who's just got Trois promoted, or Dalolio, if he can get out of his contract at Brest. Um, Ursea has left Nice, and they obviously they, they want Galtier to replace him. Mess, Antonetti is fine. Saint-Étienne, I think Puel will stay. You know, he's got such a good record with young players and they've got a good young team now. 
Um, so I reckon he'll stay at least one more year. Bordeaux, I reckon Gasset will probably leave. Oh, the whole along thing with the plenty, plenty more of the mess in Bordeaux, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's you know, nice guy, not on the young side, I think probably. He doesn't need this shit. I think mm. it's a very kind of lethal weapon kind of situation. Could yeah. we see no, could we see Laurent Blanc come back there, Jez? Does the I thought hit me earlier the day? He's gone somewhere rich, like Qatar or something. Oh, did he did he take that job? Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll look that up while you carry on. Sorry, I didn't realise he'd moved on. Um Angers Moulin's left and he's being replaced by Batik, who is the uh Lyon assistant coach, and Lyon fans don't seem to rate him highly, so that would be interesting. Ras Guillaume's left, and I think it was concerned that Oscar confirmed that Oscar Garcia is replacing him. Strasbourg Lore has confirmed that he's leaving. Uh, Lorient, I've seen Pelissier is fine, although yeah. now he's got uh, Ligue 1 Coach of the Year <laughs> on his CV. Maybe Spurs will be after him now. I don't know. Real Madrid, maybe. Um, Brest, as I said, Dalolio looks like he wants to leave, in which case there'll be a vacancy there. Um, Nantes, even if they stay up, Combuare, who I think has got the option to stay if they do stay up, he might not want to stay there. Maybe it depends how he gets on with Kita. Um, and then if the, the teams that are going up, as I said, Trois Batles is leaving, so they're going to be looking for a new coach. Um, and I think Clermont, is it Gastien? I think they're... Yeah. Okay, so, and I'm sure Garand will stay at Toulouse. Yeah. So, how many is that? I mean, that's quite a lot, isn't it? And it's quite, yeah, it's basically half the league, isn't it? Shuffling yeah. around. Um, yeah. And especially in a season where, you know, let's not forget, France is still, there's still curfews. Um, you, you wouldn't think so, looking at the Lille celebrations at the moment. But, yeah, that there's still, still issues about when Macron will sort of allow supporters into the stadium. And, you know, there's still a lot of, thing, a lot of hoops for... French football to jump through it's not like I think everyone just assumes oh because in particular the Premier League is is looking at a normal quote-unquote pre-season this year doesn't mean that every club in Europe is going to be the same and France in particular might be a stilted a stunted pre-season again you just never know uh, Laurent Blanc by the way Al Reyn oh, Al Reyn uh, since December of 2020 so in theory I mean he's, he's been out in the sun for a year you know he might be ready to come back sort of back to a club like Bordeaux who knows um, just, just curious on that one. I guess we'll see. But um, yeah, I think it's fair to say there's going to be a lot of a lot of toing and froing. We'll probably talk more about players in and out in the end of season special because, uh, in the interest of time, you know, we could be here forever. So we'll probably save that one for when the content is a bit a little bit dry. Uh, final table then, uh, Lille champions, uh, top of the table, 83 points clear from PSG on 82. Monaco going to the Champions League with 78 points, finishing third ahead of Lyon, Marseille and Rennes make up the top six. Uh, Lyon and Marseille, Europa League, Rennes into the Europa Conference League. Uh, Lons, terrific season for them, just missing out at the final hurdle in seventh. Montpellier, eighth, Nice and Metz. Make up the top 10. Be quiet, Jez. Be quiet. Uh, <laughs> I'm in 11th. Bordeaux, uh, a pretty horrific season, all told for them. But uh, in the end, fairly comfortably into uh, away from the relegation zone in 12th. Angers, um, yeah, sometimes Moulin moving on. They finish 13th. You suspect a big summer ahead for them uh, in terms of uh, 
keeping afloat. Uh, Rouse Strasbourg, 14th and 15th. Lorient, 16th. Uh, Brest, just above the relegation zone in in, uh, in 17th on 41 points. And as we mentioned, Nantes go into the two-legged tie with Toulouse to see who will be the Ligue 1's 20th team next season. Nîmes and Dijon will not be. They head to Ligue 2. And as we mentioned on the previous podcast, and Jez has alluded to, Clermont Foot and Troyes will be back in Ligue 1. Well, in Ligue 1 for the first time and back in Ligue 1 respectively next season. Uh, just before we wrap up the pod for uh, this uh, the, the, this season, really, I'll say we're going to do an end of season special, but uh, before we wrap this particular pod up, um, I just want to get kind of final thoughts from both of you, really, in terms of what you've felt this season, um, any particular standout moments that may don't, maybe don't involve your own individual clubs. Um, Phil, I'll start with you. Anything that's really stood out for you this, this season in France? I think the fact that we've got to the end of it. Yeah. It's impressive. I mean, we saw particularly with the Coupe de France with um, the lower leagues being suspended. The only competition they had was the Coupe de France. They managed to keep um, the Ligue 1, Ligue 2, and I think National functioning to the end. But it's been hard work. And I know that not having the fans in the grounds has been tough for the fans and the teams. And it's been weird, and we've lived through something that is really peculiar. Um, so I think just the fact that we made it through, we should all go, you know, well done, everybody. Mm. Um, and hope that next season is more what we're used to. Yeah, yeah, here, here. Let's let's hope so. And uh, Jess particular moment or a particular thought on this season for you? I don't know about moment. I just, I think it's been a really strong season. It's been really difficult for for clubs and I worry sort of short to medium term about um, the state that a lot of them will be in and and this summer as well. You know, like I said, the the champions are going to be ripped apart and I think a lot of other teams will be as well. But in difficult circumstances with the you know the fact that there's no fans with the the financial with the um you know the the tv rights issues yeah. mm-hmm. um i just i think they generally the league has put on a brilliant show and um you know i know it's a chip on our collective shoulders but you look at the premier league where um the champions have run out winners by 12 points four of the six evil esl breakaway attempties or whatever you want to call it finished in the top four um and you only needed 29 points to avoid relegation to me that's farmers league joke stuff Mm. you look at france the team with 40 points could still be relegated we've had a proper title race we've had a a sort of romantic but you know a, a different winner um, a, a well-deserved winner who's done it through, you know, really good team ethic and values. Um, as usual, as we always expect, a hell of a lot of really talented youngsters coming to the fore. Um, I just think it's been a, a strong season for Ligue 1, as I said, in very difficult circumstances. Um, and I just hope that they keep doing what they do well, but I'm worried that it's just feels like it's becoming increasingly hard to do that as the Premier League gets richer for example and um, the the French clubs at the moment are getting poorer you just mm. feel that it's very difficult for, for them to to sort of keep 
keep doing what they do keep keep bringing through these really talented youngsters and and um yeah on a sort of european footing i just think it's going to be harder and harder to compete obviously all of that apart from psg who are the only ones who are able to keep their players and should in theory only becoming be becoming more and more powerful which is also a potential problem but as we've seen this year as long as it's not sort of absolutely relentless and there are these outlying seasons where other teams can win things then then good on Ligue 1 and hopefully it'll continue yeah yeah well said I think I think my, my big fear from a sort of a, you know a fan of the league and and the talent in general this summer is is that fear of so many clubs don't have a lot of money uh, as it is because of the, the COVID situation. And my concern now is players that would have been sold from Liga for very healthy profit, profits are now going to go for a lot less. Um, was it Sumare's fee, apparently? Is it 15 mil yeah. to Leicester? Although I think, isn't he in the final year or is he in the final two years? I have to check that. But it's cheap, let's put it that way. And my concern is that some of these players, as you mentioned, Jez, that maybe don't play for PSG might be moved on at significantly under what their actual value is and uh yeah it's not a moment but i just want to mention one player and it's going to sound really stupid to mention him because he's the most mentioned player but um you know as i'm not a psg fan i sort of from a european perspective i'd like them to do well from a league app perspective i don't really care if they recruit strongly or not but i think we sort of take for granted what an absolutely special player Mbappe is and mm-hmm. personally I wouldn't necessarily have given him player of the year because I think someone like Yilmaz maybe deserved it more but you just look at his stats you look at his 42 goals you can on, across all competitions you look at a hat-trick in Barcelona and goals against Bayern Munich um, even when he wasn't playing brilliantly he was still scoring goals and for a lot of the season it's felt like he's been carrying a PSG team and um, so just from the point of view of having a chance of keeping him in Ligue 1, I hope um, PSG are able to strengthen because it's so special that he's part of of the league that we follow. Like Neymar, it's quite obvious I can take or leave for various reasons. But, um, you know, it is an honour to be able to watch a player like Mbappe playing in Ligue 1 week in, week out. And I, I do think it would be, although it may be good for, for his career and sort of, you know, experiencing other, other places and expanding his horizons and stuff, it would, it would be sad if we didn't have the chance to, to see him in France week in, week out anymore. Yeah, well said. And with with the uh, the talk that Real Madrid are clearing decks by uh, essentially offering out Gareth Bale and Eden Hazard at cut price deals, you do wonder if they are um, uh, moving pieces, chest pieces into place uh, to to make a big bid for for one of the two um, assets in European football. Although personally, I like both. The idea that you can put Erling Haaland in the same bracket as Mbappe to me is a little bit insulting. But that's just me and my bias. Um, and as I say, I do like both players, but I think there's a very clear difference between how good one is over the other. But, you know, that's just me. But, um, yeah, I think you both summed it up perfectly well there. It's been a real season to remember. Um, we'll be back, of course, with our end of season report, if you will, at um, in the coming weeks. As I say, we'll probably leave it till post-playoff uh, between Toulouse and uh, Nantes. So you're probably going to be waiting for a fortnight before we get back together. 
um specials aside if we uh, arrange any of those but um yeah we will be back to review the season um we've also got potentially uh somebody coming back onto the podcast soon um, we'll, we'll let you know when that's official so that's something to look forward to and uh if you haven't already heard it shame on you you're a disgrace listener but if you haven't heard mine and jez's conversation with uh, angus tarod uh, as uh, we put out as a special last week do give it a listen i think both jez and i were sort of um quite happily sitting there just listening to angus talk about the art of, of commentary and his love for french football and, and all that's in between so it's a really good hour or so's worth of conversation with him so uh yeah if you haven't listened to that give it a listen and we are planning to do some more specials in in the coming weeks and months um i've got one that i'm plotting in the background which won't interest too many people unless you follow a certain club that i do but i'm working on it so <laughs> you know uh but uh, yeah we're, we're planning to do a few more bits and bobs with a few other people that we can get on board so do look out for that um and also jez um you were on a show i think it's only fair we give you an opportunity just to plug it because it was very good you did a show with a couple of uh, a-listers from the football world last week um i'm sure it's still available online did you want to give a little mention to that um yeah it was it was on um Ghanaian tv i was on a, a european football panel with Adriano del monte doing obviously the italian um rafa honigstein covering germany and and guillaume balaguet covering spain so uh yeah i mean i could i could we could put a link maybe yeah i think we can do that i've phil's phil's the techno wizard on this one so i'm gonna leave yeah, that with send you, it over petal i'll put it in the article there okay. you go so all i'm gonna say is jez uh you've changed so um yeah we'll uh <laughs> we'll draw a line there for this week but um yes it's called the league of talents for a reason uh, because it is the league that has the most talent and it's just the best league ever and we don't care what any any of the rest of them think that's how we see it it's been a magnificent season congratulations to Lille of course on their title win and of course the clubs who qualified for Europe and the clubs who stay in league our commiserations to those who do drop but I'm sure they'll be back uh, but we have plenty plenty to discuss uh, over the summer with the Euros so stay tuned for that scheduled pending we'll let you know when that's out we'll be back for the end of season pod and of course we go again next year hopefully with fans uh i guess we'll just have to see where the world is then who knows but uh until then i just want to thank both phil and jez not just for today but for the season so thank you both for making my job as host a piece of piss really because you just bring the noise and i just uh, set you up so uh, so thank, thank you very bad. much to both of you. <laughs> sorry. Uh, jez is so excited he's sneezing away there <laughs> But yes, and everything falls to pieces right at the end. right at the end, just like uh, just like me. Um, anyway, yes, thank you to you both. It's been uh, been a pleasure to host, and thank you for your for your kind and hard work. Thank you. Right, uh, that's where we'll draw a line then. A line then under this season. Thank you so much for listening. If you are a listener, uh, we really do appreciate it. Uh, whether it's you know the younger generation, the older folk, and those who've just found us for the first time. Thank you very, very much for listening. Uh, without you, it wouldn't be much point in doing it, would it, really? So thank you for joining in. Thank you for being part of this community. Uh, let us know if there's anything you want to hear from us over the summer. Look out for the Euros. And I would say enjoy your French football, but you're just going to have to enjoy your French football highlights because that's it. Season done. Finito. End. So thank you very much for everything. We'll see you for the end of season review. Allez le bleu in the summer. And we'll speak to you very soon.